0: Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 11. The Drabblecast is a weekly podcast featuring strange stories by strange authors for strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. It's a close race so far in the Super Animal Deathmatch competition. Remember, next week their winner will be announced. All the sweet mega beasts seem to have a pretty good amount of support behind them so far, and there's only four votes separating the leader, Death Mole, from the underdog, Hippopoda pain If you've already voted, you can still tell a lackey to vote for your favorite super animal at goatkeeper at hotmail.com. If you're a new listener and have no idea what I'm talking about, listen to Drabblecast Episode 8 for details, or just vote for Death Mole. Take my word for it. Dang, lots of good feedback on last week's story, A Little Black Death, by Lance Arthur. Lance, the masses demand more Drabble. The Drabble News of the Week, brought to my attention by listener Laura Fletcher. Check, Check From NewScientist.com Paleontologists have extracted soft, flexible structures that appear to be blood vessels from the bone of a Tyrannosaurus Rex that died 68 million years ago. They also have found small red microstructures that resemble red blood cells. The discovery suggests biological information can be recovered from a wider range of fossil material, which would greatly help the tracing of evolutionary relationships." Uh, yeah, great, evolutionary relationships, sweet, wider range of fossil material, yeah. yeah the article basically dances around the cloning bush dropping hints that it's unlikely they can reconstruct DNA from the material, but not really mentioning anything about anyone actually trying it. This leads me to believe that the actual cloning procedures are on the DL. Some John Hammond-looking fool out in Wyoming is already designing corndog stands right next to the super-high-voltage electric fences. Get ready, people. And on that note, today's story is also about zoos made of highly volatile animals. It's called Black and White Animals. Secret Weapons. It's a collaborative effort by myself and Drabblecast author Kendall Marchman from episode four, Uncle Ollie's Gift. So, without further ado, Black and White Animals, Secret Weapons by Kendall Marchman and Norm Sherman. Have you ever looked into the eyes of your beloved little puppy and wondered what he was thinking? Your fluffy little kitty Your marbled salamander. What do you think's going on in his cute little head? Do you think he wants a treat? To be let out? Maybe to go for a walk? What if you could find out what was really going on? I can tell you. But are you sure you really want to know? Productions is proud to present something that you may not be ready to hear, black and white animals, secret weapons.
1: has come, your highness. The humans are close to uncovering the secret. If we don't act now, then— Silence, Nugwok. I've grown weary of your insignificant chatter."
0: Though outwardly stern and imposing, inwardly Emperor Mertzatz felt his midmost heart skip a beat. Could that destitute Smarlhog be right? That the humans were closer than ever to discovering what had been right in front of their pasty, inept faces, all this time? Yes, perhaps it is time. Attend, he shouted to his nearest
1: minion. Yes, your celestial eminence, came the voice from a scampering servant. Take Nugwok here and make a stew of him. Bring him out and feed him to the starving masses near the gates. Don't tell them it's Nugwok, of course. Tell them it's a succulent roast Durgon sent from their benevolent emperor.
0: The mindless sycophant held back giggles as he thanked Mertzatz for the opportunity to serve him and peered in the direction of Nugwok, who had begun to tremble a little more than usual.
1: But your majesty, I I was the one who... I assure you, Nugwok... The Emperor responded calmly, If you speak without my consent again, you will suffer a fate much worse than that of being lunch for the starving peasantry. Indeed, no other words were spoken, and Nugwok was
0: led out of the deathly silent royal war room to his doom. The Emperor glanced quickly around, satisfying himself that he had gotten the Council's attention. He then gathered himself into a regal stance, cleared his throats
1: and spoke. Resources on our planet are now exhausted. Our people starve in the streets. There is no question that they will soon revolt. Four thousand sarpex have passed since my father laid the plans that would one day allow us to claim our destiny on planet Earth. And I say to you who are gathered here, the time of patience has departed and humanity's end has arrived. Will any of you pitiful creatures stand in the way of progress?
0: The eyes of the
1: remaining council members
0: shifted anxiously, yet all persisted in their silence.
1: I didn't think so. Give the orders to activate the secret weapons.
0: Is it true? Is it true, Mommy? Eight-year-old Harry Plimpton was running circles around his mother, Brenda, repeating the question until his mom replied. Yes, Harry, but you know what? I bet all the other boys and girls going on the field trip are already in bed by now so they can be ready for tomorrow. So get in bed, mister. I'll wake you up in the morning and we'll be off. Ah, okay, Ma. We're going to have so much fun tomorrow. Do you think Tommy can sit with us? I don't see why not, but first things first, let's get you to bed. As Brenda bustled her boy towards his bedroom, she wondered again why in the world she had volunteered to be a parent helper for the field trip tomorrow. Not only was she going to have to deal with over 20 first graders, but to top everything off, they were going to the National Zoo in D.C., She had always hated the zoo. It was just a bunch of ridiculous animals in cages, overfed, lazy, and smelly. Half the time, she couldn't even tell which one was uglier. And yet, she was supposed to ooh and ah while an orangutan scratched himself and a panda chewed on bamboo? No thanks. In the throes of self-pity, Brenda shuffled out of Harry's bedroom and promptly tripped over Scooter, the Dalmatian puppy she had gotten for Harry, against her better judgment. "'Damn dog,' she muttered as she leaned her slightly overweight frame against the wall to regain her balance. "'The things I do for that kid.'" As Brenda resumed her course, she looked back and was struck by the strange way the eyes of the black-and-white spotted dog followed her. "'That's the thing about those animals,' She thought to herself, they sit there looking at you and you never know what they're thinking. Creeps me out. The next day passed much as Brenda expected, although herding 20 middle-class Delaware preschoolers did remove her from the tedium of trying to care about the animals on display. She looked at her watch and realized that she only had to smell animal feces for about another hour. She was just patting herself on the back for her first-rate display of patience when her son's yelling snapped her out of it. "'Ma! Ma! We want to go see the pandas! They're the best!' "'Why not?' she thought to herself. She knew they only had a little while longer anyway. She rolled her eyes and said, "'All right, let's go. But we better hurry. We don't have much time.' They got to the panda exhibit just as it was closing. A scowling zookeeper with dark-rimmed eyes agreed to let them in after being assaulted by the gaggle of pleading eight-year-olds, but he quickly wandered off. Luckily, the veterinarian was making his rounds, and as the kids crowded the glass divider and were paralyzed with awe, he kindly intoned, "'That one's Maylon. She's two years old.'" After the initial excitement died down, The kids started to wonder where the other panda was. There were supposed to be two in this exhibit. "'Where's Ling Ling? Where's Ling Ling?' they took turns, asking. Brenda joined the search, and she too could not find the other panda. Suddenly, a blood-curdling scream split the confusion. Brenda turned to her left to see what must have been Ling Ling standing less than ten yards away. Don't be scared. Just settle down, the vet pleaded as he ran past the frightened children and approached the panda, which all of a sudden seemed much bigger than any panda Brenda could remember seeing before. For the first time, she appreciated the true beauty of this wild creature, even while her body became frozen with fear. The zookeeper patted the panda and turned his attention toward the children. It's okay, he said. I'm not sure how he got out here, but he's very nice. Is anyone brave enough to come pet him? The kids looked around until Harry's friend, Tommy, raised his hand. Good, the veterinarian responded. Okay, now just walk slowly and put your hand out. Let him sniff it. Sure enough, the panda began to sniff, much like a dog there you go now just Ah! before the zookeeper finished his sentence the panda bit off tommy's hand in one clean bite the kids started screaming and running away go to the bus now brenda screamed as she turned to retrieve the one-handed little boy whose adorable courage had just been rewarded with shock-inducing trauma her frantic action came to a bewildered halt as she saw tommy just standing there staring at the panda with blood pooling on the ground below his tattered wrists. Behind him was the vet also standing serenely just staring at the panda unafraid but also seemingly unaware. What the hell was going on? Didn't they know their lives were in danger? Then the panda turned and looked straight at her newly synthesized adrenaline coursed through her body screaming at her to flee but there was something about the panda that was mesmerizing he was so beautiful brenda realized she was staring at ling ling and found that she couldn't turn away didn't even want to turn away even as she felt mei lon the other panda closing in behind her Good afternoon. This is Connor Chodesworth with Channel 12 News. Reports are coming in from all over the globe this hour in what can only be described as absolute pandemonium. National authorities are claiming that various species of animals are revolting across the world, using some sort of mind control power that witnesses are calling a telepathic tranquilizer to pacify and control anyone within proximity. The one thing that seems to unite these enemies of mankind is that they all seem to be colored black and white. State and local security officials are advising that everyone stay indoors under all circumstances, unless you have a black and white cat, in which case you should find shelter somewhere else immediately." Ling Ling the Panda, commander of the secret forces, turned off the radio and smiled grimly. Staying indoors wouldn't help the humans. It would only make them easier to corral into holding facilities. The order to round up what was left of mankind and place them in zoos, ranches, and reserves had gone into effect on day three of the campaign, when Lingling Ling had deemed further bloodshed unnecessary. The humans had offered up worthy resistance, but their technology, as advanced as it was, was useless without cognizant minds to control it. Ling Ling and his brethren had the power to telepathically subdue anyone at a glance, and this and thousands of years of careful planning had allowed for an easy victory. From the zebras of Africa to the penguins of the north, from certain breeds of cow in North America to the native pandas of the Far East, orca whales, house cats, skunks, spiders, even a rare species of South American frog Black and white animals everywhere were making military personnel and civilians alike impotent with their gaze. Ling Ling knew that soon the surviving humans would be captured and ushered into living habitats that somewhat resembled their natural environments, with futons and coffee tables arranged in a strange, clumsy fashion. Then a multitude of his black and white brethren would join him here at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C., and with their combined powers, they would open a portal through space for the empire's colonists to travel through. Yet, all this time, a thought kept nagging Ling Ling's mind. His people had waited 4,000 years for this moment. The overthrow of this world was entirely the work of his own kind, the black and white animals. What exactly, had the Empire done to deserve the bounty of this planet. Ling Ling scratched his ears and reached out to pluck another bamboo shoot from the ground.
1: The human nations are helpless against our secret weapons, sire.
0: Squawked Droll, the Emperor's new High Councilman.
1: Tomorrow the planet will be safe for us to occupy. "'Shall I notify the first wave of colonists "'to prepare for departure through the portal?' "'There could be no better time,'
0: uh, muttered Mertzatz "'as he thought about the legions "'of angry, starving peasants outside. "'Food and energy resources "'were becoming more and more scarce, "'while disease and the likelihood of the mob "'overtaking his guards in their desperation "'grew greater and greater.
1: "'Send word to Lingling,' Our colonists will be ready to cross the portal by dawn's first light.
0: Brenda stared from behind the bars of her cage. Things could be worse, she supposed. At least she knew Harry was safe. She had seen him in the children's habitat up on the hill. Her former life seemed so far away, and sometimes she wondered... She wondered how things had turned out this way and why, outside on the hot concrete walkways, lines of militant-looking emperor penguins marched by, perfectly in step with each other. She wondered where the zebra who brought food to the people in her cage came from and how the surly-looking black-and-white cow that cleaned her living area knew how to use a hose. More than anything, though, Today she wondered why so many black-and-white animals had gathered in the center of the National Zoo, and why the large panda leader, known as Ling Ling, stood on the roof of the ladies' restroom and called for silence among the large congregation of black-and-white animals. "'My brothers and sisters,' called Ling Ling. "'For four thousand years, our kind have lived on this planet,' Biding our time. The audience filled with the grunts and yips of proud animals. For generations, we have passed on to our offspring the secret of our true nature, and taken the sacred oath never to reveal ourselves or to use our powers until we were summoned by the Empire. It has not been easy, perpetrating this charade, willfully living in shame. And so, our victory is made doubly sweet. It is a tribute to the legacy of all that came before us. The crowd replied with sounds of proud agreement. And yet today, in the twilight of our struggles and the dawning of our freedom, we are called to once again step aside, so that the Empire, those that sent us here in the ancient times, can return through the portal that we shall create to take this land for their own. An uneasy silence spread throughout the swarm of beasts. Surely, many of you have waited patiently for this day, perhaps even looked forward to it. The reunition of the great empire with its humble black and white servants. We have been conditioned to believe that this has been our purpose to conquer this world and then merely give it away. However, my friends, I stand before you to tell you that we were meant for greater glory. The lamp of Providence has shone at our feet and lit unto us the path of our destiny. A legacy and a heritage that is ours alone to claim. I tell you, no portal shall be opened on this day. This was to be a day of subservience, a day of obedience. But instead, instead, my brothers and sisters, let it be a day of ascension, a day of jubilation, a day of freedom. You might ask, what of the Emperor? What of his reprisal? I shall speak to you no falsehoods, my friends. There will come a day when the Empire will find a way back to this world, and on that day those tyrants will try to strip us of our lives and liberty. But we shall not bow our heads. We shall meet them with hoof and Pa and Finn raised for battle. Our cars will not be suffered to fail, and with buoyancy and hope, we will come together, black and white, and go forward with our united strength." The panda saluted his people, and the combined revolutionary voices of thousands of blandly decorated animals carried the name of the panda chieftain Ling Ling. ...far throughout the land.
1: Your... Your Excellency... The portal... It... It... Spit it out, you whimpering fool.
0: Droll composed himself.
1: The portal has not been opened, sire.
0: What? screamed the emperor.
1: Why not? The secret weapons, the black and white animals, they seem to have revolted. The portal opened only for a minute, your highness, and a letter was passed through before it closed. What letter?
0: What did it say? The Emperor's fury was beyond words, and it was evident that Droll's unfortunate life would most likely be ending
1: very soon. It's from the Secret Force's commander, Ling Ling the Panda. He merely says, we've grown rather fond of this planet's bamboo and have decided to keep it for ourselves.
0: Blue flames of anger blazed in each of Murtat's five eyes. His breathing was heavy and his many jagged appendages heaved in a thick, slow rhythm. His jaws quivered with hate and rage. He rose slowly from his silver throne and his attendants shrunk back in fear. In a pained whisper, he muttered,
1: Ling, Ling.
0: His clenched talon shot into the air and trembled with violence. His mighty voice bellowed throughout the stone corridors of his palace.
1: I'll get that panda!
0: To be continued. Well that was our story, I hope you liked it. Stay tuned into the Drabblecast and you'll no doubt be seeing other parts of the black and white animal saga popping up in the future. That's all for this week. Tune in next week for more Drabble, and to find out which badass super animal has what it takes to win the world champion death match competition. Send in your own stories to goatkeeper at hotmail.com and hear them read over the Drabblecast. If they don't suck. Check out NormSherman.com for some sweet tunes. This week the site might actually be up. And thanks for listening to the Drabblecast. I'm your host, Norm Sherman, reminding all the militant pandas out there of Abraham Lincoln's wise words. Those that deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. the corner table the boss, and us women surround him like clothing, all tussled and ready to toss, all tussled and ready to toss.